Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode four of Stage Side Podcast. Today's guest is Zach Eisenstein from Man Overboard and Echo DDT. How's it going, Zach? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you doing this. Reached out to you not that long ago, and we actually got it set up pretty quick. Yeah, I saw. I saw. Like, um, I think uh, I saw that you did something with Matt, and that was your first episode. And I hate to sound like you know. Because this is how people think. So I had my mom like, ah, this kid wants to have like something figured. Like I, I know Matt is a friend of mine. I've toured with him and stuff. And you know that was a good look for you, obviously. So I figured that's cool. He's got all. He's got a good first episode. And I didn't see. Now you've done one, I guess, with movements. I saw too. Yep. But that was the only. I only saw the one Matt with Matt when we first started talking. So I was like, yeah, let's. Why not? Yeah, Matt. Uh, Matt helped me out big time. I said in the episode. Did you know him or something? Yeah. So. Obviously, he lives in Toledo. I, I was in the Army. After I got out of the Army, I went to school at the University wow. of Toledo. Mm-hmm. And I just tweeted him one day, asking him where the best place was to work out. And he invited me over. <laughs> That's awesome. Touch since, so. And I had told him uh, last year when he came through on his solo tour, I told him I wanted to do a podcast. And he was like, yeah. He's like, I'll do it. I'll be the first guest. And I was like, That's cool. great. Yeah, that's going to help big time. That's awesome. Yeah, we toured with them a long, long, you know, we've known that for ages. So I guess when I saw that, I was just like, cool. Yeah, well, cool. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, yeah, like you said, we'll, we'll jump right into touring. You toured with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Overboard, you guys hit it hard for, what, the better about half? About eight years. Yeah. Yeah, we hit it hard for about eight years. I think I tell people I turned... 22 23 24 25 26 like something like that you know on tour like like i had my 21st birthday i know i was home because i was at this bar and my 20 in my hometown like my high school like where you that towny bar on my 21st birthday and on my 25th birthday, I know we weren't on tour because I was in that same bar. Because there was a surprise party thrown for me, I remember. And it was kind of in, like, the peak of, like, things really going cr- cr- kind of really good for Man Overboard, but it's still being on the incline, on the rise. And it was my 25th birthday, and I remember that. But I think all my other birthdays, until 30 or, or 29, I was, I was away. On the road for all of them, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. what was that like adjusting because again obviously that was you know pretty much your your whole early 20s and even in your late 20s you spent on the road and man overboard for those that don't know I mean you guys weren't just like a regional or a U.S. act you guys hit it a lot of places and I feel like yeah. for a while you kind of carried the torch both literally and figuratively for pop punk with the defend pop punk shirts mm-hmm. but there wasn't a pop punk blog or social media page you couldn't go to without seeing Man Overboard references. So what was that like essentially growing up as a young adult on the road? Uh, kind of insane. Kind of like my gut reaction is to tell you, is to answer you and say terrible for you. Like, like I would say fun, really fun, but like bad, not good. Um, in the sense that you, you're stunted. Um, my friend told me once, and he's in the band Newfound Glory, so he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> and I was like 22, maybe, when he said this to me. 
and he was probably like 30 or 31. And he said, whatever age you are, when your band gets popular, you stop. Then you stop developing. That's it. You're done. And I was like laughing and stuff. It ended up being kind of true. Even if you try to fight it, at least for me, and I think a lot of people in bands and stuff will listen to this and be like, well, no, Zach, you're an idiot. Like, that didn't happen to me. That's on you or whatever. And maybe they're right. But it's a lot of people, I know other people who feel the same way. And like, so in that sense, I think it's 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 rough when you grow up on the road. Um, a lot happens in your 20s. People don't realize you're completely, you're way more together everybody seems to have there's a huge difference in life between being 30 and being 20 a lot happens in between and you don't really realize it you come home from tour and you you go on tour when you're 20 and you come home when you're 21 and a few less people live with their parents and live on their own and then you come home when you're 23 and they have apartments and you come home when you're 25 and a couple of them have houses and you come home when you're 26 and they're married someone has a kid and you're like well you still go back out there and just smoke weed and play video games and yeah you could do more but i didn't that's not how i was like i i would just go back into like 17 year old paradise zach mode every time i hit the road ever whereas if i wasn't living on the road i probably would have matured so that resulted in me having to do like a lot of growing up really fast i think which was more stressful than it had to be because like i said i'm taking full responsibility for it but that's the truth that's how it like affected me stunted my growth emotionally i think <laughs> well and and to i guess to your point and to your defense it's when you're when you're doing those tours, whether it's a three week tour, six, eight, twelve week tour, you kind of have to be on that whole time. As far as like that, of course, like people see musicians and it's like, okay, yeah, like they got they live the dream, they get to play music, travel, and that's all good and fun. But you also like you have call times for you know whether it's what time you got to get to the venue, what time you got to leave for the next one, rehearsal, actual show time if you're doing interviews. So you still do have that sense of like responsibility and not only that you're absolutely right it's not only that and it's that it's every day so it's yeah. like people you could be in the best city in the world you could be in la you could be in new york you could be in beijing you could be wherever you want to be if i'm on tour for three months and like i'm tired tonight i'm tired and i'm not really that stoked to be anywhere like my point is people will say things like you're not going to come out drinking with us tonight no, we're going to go back to the hotel and go to sleep. Well, come on. How often are you in Miami? And they're right. Like, that's Miami rules. But, like, you could hypothetically be in a situation where you're like, I don't care. Right. Like, I, 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 or maybe I do care, but I'm going to, like, humans need to sleep. I need to sleep. I can't. I partied the last five nights. Like, I can't do that. No one can do that. You know what I mean? It's like your normal life. But, yeah. But you, you have to be on, I guess, like you're saying, but also even when you don't have to be on, it's like life is on. Right. Like say at like 1130, I didn't have to be like the entertainer or whatever anymore. But then what happens? Like you get in the van or you get on the bus and like all your the, your te your guitar techs and the, your merch guy are all riled up because they're done working. And they, that, that environment is going now. And it's like, we're going to a bar. Like you don't have to go. Like you can come if you want. <laughs> we got an Uber coming. We're doing this. Right. 
And that's tempting too. That's what I mean before too. I'd go back into that like frat boy life like immediately the second I was back on the road. And it was like, I wasn't ever like a drug addict or anything, but like just partying, just like I was in a fraternity. Like anytime Man of Board was on the road, usually. I mean, I, don't, I personally, I don't see anything wrong with it. I didn't develop any like crazy substance abuse issues or anything like I said but it's just I wish I and I don't even regret partying like I did I just wish I like took a couple more like five minute breaks to step outside and think about life and grow (laughs) up and mature and take perspective and stuff well even even without doing that like you said earlier all of your touring was through your 20s so you can pretty much get away with uh, barring a few things you can get away and do pretty much whatever you want when you're 20. And then when you're 30, I mean, back in like decades ago, 30 was, you know, all right, you're, you're old, you're grown now, but humans are living longer. Medicine's getting better. The model of being married and kids by 21. Yeah. We just generally don't care. Like we used to. Not many people are staying in 20 year jobs and there's just so much more opportunity now. So I think, I mean, you really made the best of it being in a band. Yeah, I, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, people tell me, my parents tell me that. People tell me that all the time. I, it's true. I believe that. I really do. It's just that you, I wish I'd, uh, I don't know. It's easy to live in a bubble when all that stuff's happening, you know? And it's cool. Like I said, I really don't have any regrets. I didn't uh, do anything too bad as far as all that partying stuff goes, but. You know, it stunted my growth a bit. It was a bit. It's a big culture shock to yourself. Like you essentially go on tour. I went essentially, the most we were ever home for those years was about two or three weeks at a time. So I, you could say left for tour when I was like 21 or 22 and came home when I was 28. And you're a completely different person. Right. Now you're just like, you're a completely different person. You're eight, you're eight years older and you're, you're back home for good let's talk about the beginning there how old were you when man overboard started 19 so at oh sorry go ahead no i said i think i think so at 19 when man overboard got together what was your initial thought did you think (laughs) hang out with some friends jam play a few local shows have a good time or did you think like hey we want to turn it into as big as you guys are to complete, to be completely honest with you, the second one. The se- okay, all right, good. Yeah, we were we were all like, we had, it was none of our first bands. We went to two. There's two different high schools in Man Overboard. You know what I mean? Right. We went to two different high schools, and we were kind of like in like the cool. The, we thought, you know, we had some pretty good high school bands at our respective schools, and then it was like kind of like after high school, you know, you like meet kids from other high schools playing shows because they're in bands and stuff too. You kind of get a feel throughout high school who like the good kids are from the other schools and stuff we felt like and then it was like that was a mentality it was like and we were so old in our minds like because high school is over like 19 we're, like, yeah. Let's, we're doing this one more time <laughs> like we're gonna make rodeo. We're, oh dude we canceled like our first 15 they weren't real like shows they're just like local like bfw not even sometimes but we canceled like our first like 15 shows because i did i wanted to play them but nick would be like and wayne both of them were like we're not in the in the beginning it was kind of like us three were like the core and 
they would just be like, we're not ready, we're not ready, we're not ready. And this is when we were like a band that had like zero MySpace friends and they'd be like, we're not ready. And I was more like antsy and like impulsive. And that's a theme that never went away. But um, they like, yeah, we were very dead set on like, we're doing this for real. Like, do you want to play guitar for a living? Because I do. Like saying stuff like that to each other. Like for almost like, kind of, like if I bet I imagine looking back, if you weren't dead set on that, like that being your future, being in a band with us at that age might have been like not fun or a little too much. Right. But all three of us, me and Nick and Wayne, were like we we were all on the same page. So, so. Man Over War was basically a self perpetuating machine. Like you guys all wanted, like you said that full-time musician lifestyle yes. this is what we, yeah, we like, do. actively sought it out like nick had his own studio and we um as soon as we had songs that we liked before we even played shows we uh had some songs that we did at nick's studio and we bought spindles full of blank cds cdrs and we burned our songs to demos when no one knew who we were and we spray painted all the blank cds um say like m or o or b on them and then we would sit there and smoke blunts and burn hundreds of them and we'd put them in a little sleeve with a tiny label sticker that says myspace.com slash man overboard nj fill our book bags with them and we would go to like there was a saves the day show or like a census fail show and we wouldn't even at this point we were so concerned about man overboard that we didn't care about going to the show we would show up at that census fail show or whatever when it was over and we'd be like that's when people are going to be and we would wait outside we wouldn't go in and we were i remember like we would just make each other laugh like we you know you were hey man you want to copy my band cd for free it's really good oh no f you then <laughs> like whatever like who cares like you know saying crazy stuff to people and we would hand out and people still have come up to us years later and be like you gave you gave me your cd for free dude like in south jersey and i'm like that rules that's cool to hear because a bit of a full circle story i was telling you before we started i seen man overboard in transit at the empire in virginia and like i said this had to be sometime 2013 early 2014 and as we were leaving the show I was parked, uh, Empire's like tucked away in behind this little strip mall and I was parked across like the main road in another shopping center and there were a group of kids that were in a band. I, I don't have, I don't remember the band name. I'm sure I have the CD lying around somewhere, but they had a burnt CD. And of course, at this point, you know, it's like Facebook, Twitter. Mm -hmm. That's not the, the golden MySpace days, but they had the burnt copies with the sticker on them, handing them out. So right. just that, like that hustle, if you want to get the music out yeah. there, obviously now it's a lot easier with social media. Yep. Back in the day, that's how you had to get it out to people. Exactly. And we knew, and we had, there was like, it wasn't social media, it wasn't like it was now. We had MySpace and stuff though, but we, well, I give us credit for, we, because I see a lot of people not doing it sometimes, like younger bands, but like, we we were not money hungry, especially in the beginning. We were like, dude, we understood, the three of us understood it's way more important to have. Dude, 500 people have our CD now tonight. Yeah, we didn't charge because it was free. But who cares? Like, we know it's good. We right. know it's good. We're going to, like, for a local band, like, that just gave them their CD for free, they're going to listen to it and be like, damn. Like, we were confident. We worked pretty hard. And like I said, those two would always want to revise and revise and revise. And um, 
they're kind of like filters. I would have like, and it's still that's uh, like a bunch of ideas, and then they kind of make stuff more make more sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a good balance. I mean, I think probably the most successful example of that of all time is Apple with Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Jobs yeah. was the maniac. Was like, we should do this. We should do this. We should do this. And Wozniak was like, all right, let's find out the way to you know do it and actually apply it. Yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. And Justin, too, our other guitar player who came, who joined the band a little down the line, not much further down the line. He's a very integral part of how it turned out that the band operates, like the machine. He's a huge, huge part, too. But we didn't, we didn't, uh, to get the ball rolling at first, it was just me, Nick, and Wayne wanting to be cool, wanting to be real, you know, wanting to be a real like we because we saw and i'm not knocking anyone's hustle or anything but we saw the bands that were on like rise records like the crab core and we ended up being on rise records so i'm not hating but like you know what i mean all the hair the the scene stuff and we were like we just want to make is it cool to still be like we want to be like taking back someday we want to be like brand new like we want to be like a pop punk, like a, that kind of emo pop punkish boat blend that right. like at that time, it was 2008, so we were like, that stuff was cool like six, seven years ago. What happened? Let's do it, you know? Well, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've said it a bunch already, and I keep saying it worked. So, obviously, for those of you that, if anyone's watching this, it's not in that scene or familiar, I said it earlier, you guys took off, and, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a place you could go, specifically pop-punk related, but then also scene emo whatever you want to call the collective scene where you wouldn't see some sort of other man overboard merch see a song up on a playlist or someone at a show a sign from being a show a flyer what have you of those early cds that you handed out are there any songs that were on there that made it to your actual full eps or like the actual projects that you've released all of them okay yeah, to be honest, it was the it ended up being our technically our first I think it's a seven inch or it was released somehow. It's called Hung Up on Nothing. Seven inch. Yeah. It's that. It was just it was Oh, okay. It was just that on a CDR. That's what we were sitting on. That's what I mean. Like we knew, we had that. We had that recording and we hadn't gone and played shows. Right. You know what I mean? We that's how and we were we were very studio based. And like, that's how insane. Think about, like, I I tried to I, well I I shouldn't say I tried to play a bunch of shows. I did whatever Nick and Wayne wanted to do in that regard. I was happy. Right. They just didn't. You know. You get what I'm saying? We yeah. had what? We had that. So, was the version of Hung Up on Nothing that you were giving out was that already professionally recorded? Like I know mm-hmm. you said Nick Nick has his own studio now and he's. No, it was that one. It was it was the songs with Jesse Cannon. It had Love Your Friends Die Laughing on it and Dreaming and Disconnect. And dude, are you kidding me? With Love Your Friends or Die Laughing, and you know, you can if you knew right away, definitely tell me right away. How quickly did you know like this is fire? This is a banger. Everyone's this is gonna be an anthem. Not quickly, not until it happened, not until, like, people had to tell me that. I didn't, I didn't get any kind of vibe or feeling where, like, you sit the pen down on the table and you're like, ah, I just did something really good. Like, no. 
I think about that, or I used to think about that all the time when, you know, that was something worth thinking about. I used to think about it all the time, how that just seemed like any other song to me. Sometimes there used to be once in a while I used to sit there and think and night at night on tour or something like, why is that song so popular? Like, or like I get, like I get one song has to be the most popular song, but I just never, no, I never got that feeling. I never, I never, uh, no, it always kind of bewildered, like it, it perplexed me. Yeah. That's interesting because that was actually yeah. the first song that I heard from Man Overboard. A lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. This was around, of course, when that was released, this was around the time Apple Music wasn't a thing. There was a few like online streaming, but nothing like it is today. And I was one of those kids that would, I would take my iPod to a friend's house, hook up to their computer, get their music, oh, and yeah. then same thing when they would come over. And I'd gotten Man Overboard and Polar Bear Club at the same time. And I was like flipping back and forth between you two. That's awesome. Hung up on nothing. Like I said, it was the first song I heard. And instantly, it's super catchy. It's got that anthem vibe. I was like, all right, I'm in. What's funny is the other songs from back then were recorded, like I said, with Jesse Cannon, where we ended up doing Real Talk. But Love Your Friends Die Laughing, the, that like the version of Love Your Friends Die Laughing that people listen to is recorded in Nick's studio. Just us, no producer, nothing. Before we had ever played a show, like we're like, 20 years that's a home recording that love your friends that real love your friends that everyone listens to is a, is a home recording it's in nick's home studio and nick's the oldest one and is probably 22 at the time okay so, you know and is that that so when you're saying that's like a real home recording were you all playing at the exact same time on that? Like, did you just play through that live and record it, or did you track it individually? No, we tracked it individually, okay. but and we, but we was just there was no one there. It was just me, Nick, and Wayne at night, maybe till like one in the morning. I remember the drums in that song are is us stomping our feet on the hardwood floor and clapping our hands. That's all of us. There's no drum. Those are the drums. Yeah, I remember doing that. Um. Yeah, and then, like I said, just being like, okay, we got another song. Didn't think. Yeah, because you have the, for, like, the non-artist, you could call that, like, the stripped-down version, and then on the human highlight reel, you did the full-blown electric version. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. No? I, look, I don't look back on that fondly. Oh, no, me. okay. <laughs> no, I mean, you can like it. That's yeah. a up, but, you know, I just, it's not for me. I don't, if you like it, that's cool. I'm glad. Oh, yeah, I like it. I mean, I think... For me, the original version obviously has that nostalgia effect. That's the first song of Mano that mm -hmm. I heard. So any, you know, any first song that draws you to a band is always going to be, you're going to like that version better than any other version they do. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel, too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? That so makes I'm sense, like, yeah. You're... So, like, I'm like, uh, I don't, like, look, wish we never did it or anything. Like I said, if people like it, that's cool. But I look, I'm like, I feel awkward about that for some reason. I can't remember why. It's like a weird, why did we do that? I think most of my band would agree with me in 2020, to be honest. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. Playing live and I guess as far as people coming out to shows, playing live and then what on, I mean, MySpace was huge back in the day and then obviously it dwindled, but and what online activity you've seen, was that the first song of Man Overboard that you realized like, okay, yeah, definitely one step closer to doing what we want and being this full-time band and putting out things that people are going to be waiting on? Yeah, it was because it was on MySpace. Remember, you could put um, 
you could put make a song your profile. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was, we were like, a lot of people have a lot of friends that are laughing as their profile page. And <laughs> it showed you the counters too. So we saw it got a lot of plays. And like disproportionate we to the rest of the songs from the jump. You know what I mean? So we didn't. We had people early on from record companies and stuff tell us like, you gotta be, a, you gotta make a whole, it's funny too, because who's to say who they could have been right? But you gotta, you guys just gotta scrap all this and make a whole ten song album that sounds like "Love Your Friends" I laugh. like all acoustic. You should be an acoustic band, like blah 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 blah. And we'd be like, and it's funny because we like we ended up being the defend pop punk band. So, but also I don't know. I'm not. I don't. I'm not Doctor Strange. I can't do different <laughs> like uh, timelines and stuff. Like maybe we would have been like Train or something, and I would be like a bajillionaire. But and that's what they were trying to say. But we were like already felt like that immediately sounded ridiculous to all of us when it was said to us. We were probably too young for someone to tell us that when someone told us that. But we it went in one ear and out the other. Well, and also if that's not what. I mean, if that's not what you guys were set on, you could apply we that. We couldn't pump them out. We couldn't, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, you could apply that to anything. I mean, you see athletes walk away at the top of their game and they're like, this just isn't what I want to do. If that's not what you want to do, yeah, then you're not going to get the best product. It's just like, uh, yeah, exactly. It's not, It's you know, we wanted to, we didn't feel like there was really a, we felt like that would be a real thin bed. Like, you do that, and if it doesn't work, uh, crap, now what? It's like pop punk. We're like, we've we got some confidence. Like, we got a lot of songs. You know what I mean? Right. We know how to do this. It's more the scene we come from as teenagers. Like, this is our wheelhouse. This is our world. Well, and the, the pop punk scene, hardcore scene, emo scene, all these alternative, underground, whatever you want to call them, scenes, the fan bases are a lot more dedicated where – and you have these larger like radio rock bands. Some people will hear a song and it's like, okay, cool. That song's on the radio yeah. or, you know, that song's on TV. But when you're in this scene, like I said, you have kids, adults, you have people waiting on the music. They're coming to the shows. They're buying the merch. They're buying records. Even though they already have the digital copy, they're buying CDs. They're sending it to people. They're, you know, when, when you guys coming out with something new or, you know, I've been listening to this over and over. So it's like a lot more dedicated sustaining yeah. scene. I think about it all the time. I think about it. I'm really fortunate. You know, if we made some sort of something that maybe would have made us a little bit more money at the time, but not over the course of our life or a little more popularity at one second, like we have like a big hit, like you're saying on the radio or something, but what's it been since if you exclude that lifeline song, the single we did, it's been like five years since we did anything. And yeah, people like you still want to talk to me like I can't and that's because what you're saying like it's it's such a good the music the people that listen to this music it means so much to them compared to uh, not all genres I hate when people are like compared to all other there's yeah. a lot of scenes <laughs> like that I know electronic music kids are really passionate a lot of hip-hop people are too tons but like you're saying, when you talk about the radio and top 40 success and stuff, it can be very, very fleeting. And I learned how fleeting it can be even in a passionate scene like this. So I can't imagine when you're some plastic thing on to, to be thrown away next week. And I think that lends itself to, like you are saying, like EDM, hip hop, and then not all top pop 
charts, but a lot of them, if you look at the credits, there's five, six, seven, eight, ten writers on a song. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes some artists are just a voice, which is fine if that if that's what works. Hey, if that's, if that, yeah. Some- but I think people in this scene, and obviously this scene as well, bands like you guys will come out before the show, after the show, hang out, meet, sign. The scene's just so much more accessible that mm-hmm. not only does it build that, that connection to the art, like you're saying, songs mean stuff to people, but it sticks out like, oh, I met so-and-so at this time. They were super cool. I met this person there. They talked to me about this. So yeah. it builds that human element that you're not going to get with, you know, a top five artist in the world right now. Cause they're just, it's just not feasible for them to be accessible like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It comes from, um, you know, that it's a, it's a subsidiary of punk rock at its core. It is a, some sort of evolved punk show on steroids, you know, the pop punk show or whatever, right. or the big hardcore show. And like, like for us, for example, and I'm sure this is not unique to Man Overboard, tons of bands, it's the same for them. That stuff coming out, meeting the fans, hanging out, whatever, it's it's not, it, it doesn't take a lot of effort most days out of the week because it's like second nature to us. We are kids who, it's second nature. I'm at a show. I'm going to stand outside and smoke a cigarette. Like I'm going to, um, you know, watch one band from the side of the stage and watch another band from the back. I'm going to go get a drink. I'm going to go look at t-shirts and stuff. I'm going to go talk to girls if there's girls there. You know what I mean? Like I'm at right. a show. <laughs> and because, because that's, because we weren't, that's, we already did, we participated before we were the band. Right. You know what I mean? That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. yeah you came I think that's the case for a lot of these bands, so it comes to second nature to them to want to mingle. And like you said, I remember meeting people. I, I You know how stoked someone is to be talking to you when yeah. you're standing up. And I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I mean that because unless you're an idiot, you know, because I remember how stoked I was talking to whoever outside of a church or outside of a VFW or something. So you remember that stuff. And it's a gift to be able to, uh, it's like a, I don't, I don't like the word. It's a blessing to like (laughs) be able to have those moments and pass them forward and something. And you know, I know that over the course of man overboard, I talked to, I must've talked to countless kids outside of shows who went on to start great bands. I'll never know. Oh, without a doubt or whatever but and then and they'll pay they'll go hang out you know yeah wh- like i said the scene's full circle you guys were handing out you know stickered cds and then i went to a man overboard show when you guys were one of the biggest things out and kids were outside handing out stickered cds yeah and so to go back to that with that growth and it's cool i didn't realize myspace had like the back end analytics where you could see how many people were actually sharing your song that's good to know was real talk when it like took off like you you really noticed okay we got the online buzz now i guess real talks when we got we're on i think when we were finally like on run for cover records so we felt some sort of like status boost because of that i feel but things really like i think the moment you're looking for is when we went the first time we ever went on tour in newfound glory life was different during and after that you know what i mean that's that's when we're like what is good especially because it was us 
in the Wonder Years, who we've known since we're teenagers. Uh, and this time next year, and set your goals. And it was like our generation felt like set your goals a little bit older than us, but not much. Like our age, guys, you know. Right. And um, it was because you would see all these kids. It was eye opening because uh, yeah, you're playing with newfound glory, so a bunch of people is going to be there. But there was this sense that like our generation was on the up because like newfound glory was the only band from their generation on the show. Was that the uh, the pop punk's not dead tour? Yeah. And there was just this like completely super optimistic time for like all the bands. I mean, I'm not, I don't know what, for all the bands that were under Newfound Glory on that tour, it was like a super optimistic time. Cause it was like, not like we're doing this for them. Cause we definitely weren't, no bands ever doing it for them. They'll always draw their own people, but like, damn man, there's a lot of people here tonight. And like, they don't there's not another like pop punk band from the early 2000s here it's just us like young bulls and yeah. people know the words to your band people knew the words to your set people knew the words to my set people knew the words to your set and we're all backstage like that's when it was kind of like what wow like our generation of shit is having an impact on this genre and that was for at least for me being from the east coast that was like, a, I'm sure other people felt that way across country, but that was like a mega tour. So I actually, I seen that one at Ram's Head in Baltimore. It was the day after my wedding. My wife and I actually, like we bought tickets and we were like, yeah, we're not going on the honeymoon for another few weeks. So we got married. That rules. Yeah, the next day we went to that tour. And like I said, you know, with the Wonder Years, Set Your Goals, obviously California band, but with the Wonder Years and Man Overboard, like you guys being on it, that was just like, it was one of those shows where it's like, you have to get there early. We want to see every single band. And we got that sense. Yeah, that's what I mean. You kind of picked up on stuff. And I don't mean to take away too. At the same time, we saw it. Like our best friends were Balance and Composure, Title Fight, Tiger's Job, bands like that from our area. And they were on different kinds of tours, but we saw what was happening to them too. Their shows were getting bigger. Everything was, Title Fight was huge. Yeah. And title fight was really important i think for like all of us bands and like my peers and my friends and their bands because they were one of us and like you sure you remember for a while you couldn't move without seeing a title fight shirt and it was like all right like we're one of us got in one of us is popular like we can all do this like you know what i mean kind of deal i think at least for me i can't be alone and feel that i can vouch for that because the kingston ep with Memorial Field was the first one I heard from Title Fight, and that took off. And then I seen them, like I told you, I'm from Baltimore, where Ruiner, the hardcore band, was from. And I seen Title Fight. There was like four or five other bands in Ruiner at a place called Ten Car Pollup. It was an upstairs venue that held I don't know, maybe two, three hundred people. And that might be yeah. being generous. And it was Pat. I'm sure it was insane. I was almost leaning on the merch table because you couldn't really get close. Mm -hmm. And title fight, I guess they're our, they're our age or maybe a little younger. A little younger. But when they came on, I remember looking, I was like, I didn't know they were that young when I'd seen them. Obviously, I was still young. It was Stage Dive Central. That oh, yeah. place just erupted when they came on. And like I said, at that point, they didn't even really have a ton of songs in their catalog. But yeah, they're from Kingston, PA, so not far. They hit. That band is so, so important just in like 
and people like get it, but I think they don't get it too at the same time. Cause like not just, it turned a lot of kids on obviously to a whole scene. But yeah. on top of that, like I said, it, it, it like um, some record companies and all the bands that played with Title Fight like mine on a local level, on a smaller level, just kind of like the green light to feel like, let's go. Like, this is our friend's time. Like, this is it. We are the the, the generation now. It's, we're the age. We're the age to step up. Like, we can do yeah. this. It's doable. It's like, it's like inspirational. You know what and, I mean? And like you said, to, to last, to wrap it up a title fight, to... Yeah, <laughs> like we can talk about them forever. <laughs> yeah. One thing I have, it's I know it's on my iPod, it's on my hard drive, it's like a bootleg. I don't know if it's Penn State or like some local Pennsylvania, Maryland college. I have like a bootleg rip of them. The That local college radio station played it live. So it was like they were pushing outside of just shows and like they were trying to spread it. And like you said, it's important because it brings so many people into the scene. And they were real hardcore yeah. kids. They're really, they still are. They're, yeah. they're, those kids are so real, so real. You know? So what did, to take it back to Man Overboard and the Newfound Tour, what was life like after that tour? I mean, obviously you guys went into it. You said you had the confidence of we're going to do this forever. Was that just, did that just take you to the next level, both obviously crowd-wise, reception-wise, but also mentally and confidence? Like, hey, we're I think like, that was around the time where I started to be able to pay all my bills with the band. Nice. So like, yeah, they're, and like, you're like 23, 24 doing that. Like, you feel like the man. I mean, that's that's success right there. If you can take care of yourself, you're successful. Yeah. And take care of a girlfriend and a dog. I mean, right. you're like, you're, you're, you feel awesome. You know what I mean? You're like, you might as well be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is, so, yeah, that's when, like, a huge shift in, uh, you know, to be honest, I was always kind of like, cocky and I know this now because I'm older and I look back and I cringe at some of the things <laughs> I used to say to people how I used to behave I would never ever be like that now but I was always kind of like I acted like in my head man of war was the biggest band from like the get-go that's why I was like and that, it's not, it's always a, like, you just heard me talk about Title Fight. Like, I respect the bands I love and my friends so much. And I'm always in awe of my friends and all that. It's not like that. I don't think we're better than anyone. But when I say the best band, like, I just knew we had something that some people were going to listen to. Like, I didn't think we, I was going to be a millionaire. That was never in my mind. But I was right. like, we can do this. Like, if we don't, like, we can we can do this. Like, let's, 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 or we can try. We got a shot. We sh we're dumb if we don't try. That was always my mentality. And on, and on my space and social media and stuff in the very early days of Twitter, I would just shove it down people's throats and act like, you know, what's funny. I was, um, I, this is on topic. It sounds like it's not, but it is. I, I was we, always, we can go anywhere you want. <laughs> when I was younger, when I was really young, probably like 10 or so, just old enough to read it. Um, I got, my mom bought me Marilyn Manson's autobiography at Barnes and Noble because I wanted it. So he bought it for me. And I read this book. I'm like 10 or 11 years old, which anyone who's read that book, that's an insane age to read yeah. some of the stuff that's in that book. <laughs> but he said something that stuck with me 
really resonated in this when I'm like 19 and Man Overboard started, which was uh, you want to be a rock star, you act like you want to get treated like, then you got to get treated like a rock star and you act like a rock star. Which was like, I always had a lot of self-doubt and I'm definitely one of those people who like, if I'm ever cocky, nah, there's a 50% chance I'm like projecting an insecurity for sure. So, you know what I mean? A hundred percent. But Meryl Manson said, just act like you're not insecure. And then everyone will just think you're like born to do this. So that was like my mentality when we were younger. But to get back to your question, it it got more serious after I was able to make money with the band. It was, I think I got it maybe a little less cocky because it was almost like, oh, now I'm comparing myself to other bands who make money and they make more than me. So now I'm like, oh, kind of like it went from being a senior in high school to a freshman in college. You know what I mean? Right. Because now you're like, oh, dude, my band, if we played a VFW on Friday night, there's going to be like 400 kids there. They won't be able to fit everyone inside. Like we rule. <laughs> to be like, I'm on tour with Taking Back Sunday, and they have the nice things like cool right. cars and houses and stuff. <laughs> and you're like, I, it's just that's the best in that way I could think of it. So it was kind of like you did start to think you're awesome, but at the same time, think you're either set your goals higher or be like, oh man, I'm kind of like I ain't anything yet. Well, that's good because it, it keeps it keeps pushing. It keeps the thirst for creativity. And yeah, because you get on the road with bigger bands now at that point, yeah. you know. After Newfound Glory, we didn't really do any. I remember talking on the phone once, you like balancing composure. I remember t talking on the phone once with John, the singer. Just so funny to think about. And we were both on tour on different areas of the country. We were probably 22. And he was on tour with Census Fail, I think. And we were on tour with Newfound Glory. And I remember me and him saying to each other on the phone, neither of us are ever going to play a shitty show again. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's like answers your question. You know what I mean? Like kind of like where our heads were at. But when that became reality, yeah, it's weird. Well, that's, that's the way to go and the way to look at it. And again, another good thing about the scene is those bigger bands give those smaller bands the rub. It's, you know, by you guys being on a Newfound Glory tour, that's as big of a cosign. That's a big of a cosign. I mean, Newfound Glory and Blink-182 really. The you, pop it was punk. the biggest you could get. Yeah. Besides yeah. Maybe Blink, you know. It's like those are the two names. You Obviously, again, Man Overboard, you guys took the torch and carried it. But like pop punk in its infancy for most people is newfound or blink. So when you see any of those bands that you said, set your goals this time next year, the wonder years, when you see them on a newfound tour, it's take notice. Like these guys are good. They got the cosign from newfound. This is yeah. worth, worth your time. I think now that blows what you just said. Like I, I totally understand. And I think it blows my mind way more now than it did then. And that's what I mean. I'm, I'm a lot more humble than I used to be. And, uh, it's good to be cocky, cocky, confident. You weren't ever for anyone. I thought of it like a, you like wrestling. I was yeah. like a wrestler. Yeah, you, you weren't you know what I mean? jerk about it though too. So that's the thing. It's like you had that confidence, but you weren't just flat out being an asshole to everybody that came up to you. But I always had a shtick in my mind. And it, my shtick was kind of like to not be an asshole. Right. Like you said. Like you, if, if anybody's listening who likes WWE, I was try, trying to try to be like Bailey. <laughs> I was like, I'm a hugger. That's all you can love everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. But yeah, if you don't watch wrestling, then yeah, I tried to. I was. I, well, I found when we were starting to get popular, Twitter's like was always a gauge in my brain. When I started getting a lot of Twitter po- uh, followers, I remember answering every single person that ever tweeted at me. I'd answer them, and I would keep getting more followers. And I remember telling other people and other bands, like I sitting in dressing rooms, being like, I answer every single person who tweets at me. I answer every single person and they'd be like why and i'd be like it's kind of my thing i don't know i just do it <laughs> but like it always seemed to work and i enjoy it i'm a social person i like to talk so you know it works speaking of twitter uh i was looking at your twitter the other day and i think someone asked you like a month or two ago you have one of probably one of your followers is one of the most famous people in the history of the world People are so hung up on this to me. If, if, so- if you want to keep it a mystery, we can. But for those that oh, don't know, said, I don't think it's he follows so many people. It, but <laughs> like I was joking with a buddy about this. Someone so says this to me like once a month. Go ahead. It's former President Barack Obama. <laughs> and I was joking with my buddy Jay. I was like, could you just imagine if he was in the Oval Office jamming man overboard? Like, what the hell? How does he follow you? Because I mean yeah, he follows a lot of people, but it's not he's not one of these people with hundreds of thousands of people he follows. Like, I mean, it's not a crazy list. And I know he does like his summer playlist and all. How did that come about? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm I am i followed by a lot of cool people that I'm really stoked on that follow me um on Twitter throughout the years, but he's not one that I know. I I always assumed I never got excited about that. I always like assumed it was like a bot. I'm looking at my phone right now. <laughs> or like he has some like follower thing. Well, that's you know what I was what wondering I mean? if maybe it was like a staffer that was running it. That was like, I don't know if yeah. they were doing some sort of arts initiative. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> that's what I mean. A lot of cool people who follow me, I know why. Like I've talked to him like, dude, can I, if I can just brag for a second, Missy Elliott follows me on Twitter. And like I've DM'd her and stuff. She like intentionally follows me on Twitter, and I'm like, that rocks and stuff. There's nothing. I don't have anything like that with Barack Obama. We, we need a we need a misdemeanor, Missy Elliott and Man Overboard collab. Once you get the blue check mark, you can filter. You can view your followers and just look at your verified followers. The, yeah, the verified timeline. Okay. Yeah. Which I never look at this stuff, but Andrew Yang follows me too. That counts. <laughs> So for politics. Down the road, down the road, we might see Zach, you know, director of national music. We need some sort of cabinet position for Man Overboard. Yeah, that's the only thing I should be in charge of. I promise. (laughs) Well, going back to Man Overboard, and I'll bring up Missy again here in a minute. But Man Overboard, like you said, you had real talk. You had the self-titled Heart Attack, Heavy Love, and this was all on the on the incline and at the top. And then Heavy Love was 2015. And then recently, you guys put out, you did on the Tim Landers tribute. Mm-hmm. You, re- you redid a transit song, yeah. which uh, keeps shining on the tribute to Tim Landers. If anyone hasn't heard that album, go check it out. Buy a copy of the CD, buy the merch, buy the vinyl. Everything goes to charity. And they're working towards a documentary right now, like we were speaking about earlier. What was that like, you guys being so close with transit? not only just in, you know, in memoriam of Tim, but re-recording a song of someone you were friends with so close and, but still putting your own man o touch on it. I mean, Tim's, uh, Tim's the closest person to me that's ever passed away. I've had like family, I've, I've been lucky and I've had grandparents and stuff, the normal thing. 
but my closest friend that's ever died is, is Tim Landers. And so in that regard, it's like emotional. And for us in particular, our other friend, our great friend who toured with us, Denny Palandro, um, was killed in a car crash two weeks earlier than Tim died, or one month, I'm sorry, the four weeks earlier than Tim died. So it was like terrible for me and Nick, the terrible, terrible time. And he was still dealing, we were both still dealing with Denny dying and then Tim died. And Denny was like Tim was for me, Denny was the closest person, friend Nick had ever lost. And, you know, he was like a, in his bridal party. And uh, uh, so they both died. We go back into the studio to do the song for Tim. Denny, actually, our first friend who passed away, toured with us with Transit. And played okay. drums, I think, for Transit a couple times. It's crazy. But um, Well, and before you go into the recording, how how soon after did you guys record that? Because I know it took a while for the album to come out. It wasn't immediately after his passing, but... Tim passed away on, like, the 3rd or the 4th, I think, of February. And we were we were doing it on, like, the 27th. Okay, so it was a, it was a quick effort to put together Great. something then. We knew something was going down. Oh, yeah, all that stuff. Everybody mourned, and we had the funeral and, like, a week of just, like, chilling. And then it was kind of like, all right, start recording stuff. Everybody, like, group texts and with tons of bands and stuff. You know what I mean? But, like, so it's funny. Recording it was super easy because we picked our favorite transit song. There's always been, like, an agreed favorite transit song, and that's what it was in Man Overboard World. I have done transit tours as their drummer or like parts of it to fill in for Daniel a couple, like one time when he had to go to a wedding or something, I played drums for transit for like five days. Oh, okay. Um, we knew this song bottom line. Didn't really listen to it. I played the drums for the, our version of it without listening to it again. Me and Nick were cracking up because it was just all coming back. You know, like I knew it. I sat there and watched them play it so many times. So did that, we did that, we did it all without really referencing it. I think so, we might have checked when we were done to make sure we didn't severely butcher the song, but like we didn't, we knew, I knew all the words. I didn't have, I, I wasn't looking at my phone like this, like singing it. It was like a song I wrote, there was that ingrained in me at that point. It was an older transit song. And yeah. I've been touring transit since my high school band. I've known Transit longer than Front Page. Just, I mean, front, that was my old band. I've known Transit longer than Man Overboard has been a band. Okay. Like, I've known Transit since I was 17, 16, around. That's how long I've known those guys. And uh, so I knew, and that song was old. So we just knew that song, like a song you love. You just, it was like someone asking you to cover a song that you know very well, you know? Okay, so there, there wasn't, uh, sit down let's think about how we want to purchase it was more hey this is a song we all like let's just jam it and we knew exactly like cool. yeah so we're gonna cover for the world right yeah all right word yeah i'll see you friday okay yeah and i that that stands out that i believe that's the first track on the album on Tim's record, I'm not sure. Or no, I no, no. I think actually, it. I think it's the third because I think Casaloma are the first two. I don't know if I listened to it in order. Yeah, but it's it bounce around. That one has a good. The way you guys did it, you took the old transit, the old transit song, put the Mano touch on it, and that one, I'm sure I say it a bunch, but that one has like the big sound to it, where in the beginning of the song you kind of hit that point, right where you go in. I guess it would be the second verse or right after the bridge. 
but it's just full blown mano kicks in <laughs> and it's just got that it's got that good like that full pop punk sound to it and you can tell everyone that's on the record you can tell everyone had some sort of personal connection with Tim and wanted to do the songs justice. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely true. Yeah, and knocked did. every single song on the project is just lights out, not out of the park. So I mean, he was one of my best friends in the world. And that's not to say I was the only person in man overboard that's close with him. That's not right. true at all. We all were, but like, like I said, like I, me and Justin from man overboard had known that transit, since we were you know middle aged middle teenagers like 16 years old so when man overboard and transit started doing stuff together it was like yo these are my friends these are my friends from massachusetts guys like you know right. like that's how long that's how far back we went so you know we slept on tim's floor when i was a kid or you know we weren't old enough to go out and drink and stuff and we were sneaking around and having people buy us beer and after we played at pool halls and stuff and that's we awesome. Come, they would come down here. We met on MySpace and as teenagers and okay, well, we'll, we'll book a show in Massachusetts and get you guys on it. Okay. Next weekend we'll book a show in Philadelphia and get you guys on it. Okay. That's sick. That's it, it. For anyone that hasn't heard it, like I said, go check that out. And then all of Tim's bands, transit, Mister, off and on cold collective stream the hell out of all of them. Anything that he was involved with, worked it was just good everything you know great songs yeah, great, great. it was a crazy and crazy 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 music brain very high musical iq yeah so definitely check it out so yeah the tim memorial record that was the first new material anyone's heard from man overboard in quite a while and that came out last year earlier this year and then earlier this year you actually released a new original single lifeline got a lot of people talking online excited do you want to tell us more about that or just kind of how that came to be? Um, it came to be because everybody in the band finally wanted, I'm laughing because I'm always nagging them to do stuff. It's kind of like the dynamic and that's, they want to do man overboard stuff. But it goes, they I'm not mean to make it sound like they don't. Right. But like I said, back earlier like i have a bunch of maniacal ideas all the time and they're like okay and that's great and we want to do that but it needs to like make sense and it needs to be it so the time was right for everybody to like work on something people in my band have children now you know what i mean like good jobs and stuff like and life needs to work we're the grown-ups so so it was a good time for everyone um we wanted to, you got to remember, this is like right before like this shutdown and everything, but we kind of wanted to, to put our feet in the pool, just kind of see, we don't want to be like, we're back, we're back. Even though I'm sure I said a million things like that on the internet, cause I'm the overzealous one. But um, we just wanted to, you know, put some, we, it's hard to explain. There's no real good reason. We just kind of felt like it at that point, finally. Everybody felt like it, you know? With Lifeline, was that a new song? Or was that something that you had maybe partially been working on back when Mano was in full swing? Or was that something you guys got together and created from scratch? A little bit of both. The okay. original idea, the like core idea of the song 
was something I came up with a while ago. It probably could have been on Heavy Love. Okay. But it was only developed by me and Nick, and Nick wrote parts of it now, like, and, and recently, like, before it came out. So it's kind of like we picked up, oh, what about that one thing we used to mess with? You know what I mean? Let's make that a full song. Okay. So, a little bit of both. The, 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 the seed, it was probably from, like, the Heavy Love era. Okay. But it was developed in, in 2019. That's, that's cool to hear. I always ask, I've asked that on other podcasts as well. I think it's interesting when artists have something that, like you said, it's the seed, it's in its infancy, it's not quite where they want it yet. And then oh, yeah. they revisit. I have tons of stuff like that. Always. At any point in my life, I have. That's kind of my role with Man Overboard because I'm not helpful with so much stuff that's required <laughs> to make a band run. I'm just terrible at. And um, so my role is just kind of always having and seeds when we need them. I have a bunch of them. And Nick and Wayne specifically make them the amazing songs that they end up being. or a lot of times Nick has Nick provides seeds as well okay every man overboard song is either not every but like 99% of man overboard songs are a base idea that either myself or Nick has thought of on their own with an acoustic guitar and then goes to the band like yo I got this and everyone's like yeah let's do that and then everybody it becomes something awesome because of the team from that point, you know? Okay. They're nowhere near that incredible when me and Nick think of, they're nowhere near as intricate or have any bells or whistles or anything. They're not even nearly as catchy sometimes when me and Nick just think of them. But when everybody does their thing, that's the process. Perfect. That's exciting. Hopefully there will be uh, some more seeds you guys will let grow. Yeah, we got to see. And that's, uh, that's like what my notepads are on my phone. Like I have seed lists, basically. Like I don't call them that, but for the sake of this conversation, I'll be like, all the songs I've written just by like the title or lyric that'll make me remember. And I'll like group them up into albums and stuff in my notepad on my iCloud. Stuff like that. Cool. So we'll, we'll leave the... Uh... The new release, Lifeline, Man Overboard Mystery there. You guys heard it. Zach has seeds, and so there may be more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I have seeds. Yeah. Um, we don't want Lifeline to be – Lifeline will not be the last thing we do. We all hang out. We talk. Man Overboard's trying to do stuff. Everybody knows the world's crazy right now. Uh, we don't know what exactly, but the band's not – the, the, I don't want to be like, the hiatus is over, but we're we're stretching – standing up you know what i mean we're waking up like hey let me get in the game for a little bit yeah we want to do something we're we're looking around seeing what's good we'll leave it at that we'll let the mystery build so everybody go listen to lifeline and get excited that the defenders of pop punk have many seeds to water we'll leave it at that (laughs) but let's talk about what you currently have going on and as you can see on the board behind me and then ultra zone uh skateplex right behind me the new Echo DDT project yeah. that you just recently released. For, for anyone that doesn't know, this is obviously a completely different genre than Man Overboard. Yeah, Still has the good Zach touch lyrically, but Thanks. tell us about that. Let's, let's dive into that. Oh, man. Oh, God. I don't even know where to begin. I've loved <laughs> like dance music and 
uh, 90s club and techno my whole life. It goes back to being, when I was a kid, I would play with toys with my friend Alex. Like, I mean, really young, like G.I. Joe's, like we're like four or five. And the older, his older siblings were like cool. They were like 16. And at night they would smoke cigarettes and probably weed and stuff, like not far from, we were like right there. And they were awesome and they went, but they would be listening to like LaBouche and Real McCoy, like 90s, early 90s, anything that was like, and I think I developed this like affinity for, that was just my happy place, like from that. And I always felt really sentimental and nostalgic about like club music. And I always said one day I was going to try to make some like weird old school dance record. And, um, but I had to make it a little emo. So, um, it's echo DDT is really important to me. It's the first thing I ever, it's, it's not, um, you know, it's kind of the weirdest thing I've ever done. It's not the most marketable thing so far. Some of the new stuff's a little easier to swallow the stuff that I have that's not out yet, but, um, that record's kind of experimental and one of the weirder things I've ever done, but I'm really proud of it. Cause, um, I did it, you know, by myself on the computer that I'm talking to you on and, uh, it was strange and I, it's, it's not really, you know, there's a, there's a scene, some listeners might be familiar or viewers, but there's something called vaporwave music. Okay. And it's a small, small scene of almost like internet based um, music. And it's usually, there's usually some sort of uh, nostalgia for the eighties or nineties involved. And, I kind of fell in with a lot of those kids in Philadelphia and started hanging out at those shows kind of like in my late, in my, in my early thirties, late twenties, those, those became like the shows I was going to and stuff. So, um, a label, um, called DMT FL, just like really popular in that scene was cool enough to, to tell me, they messaged me one day and were like, dude, you should just make the album you want to make and we'll put it out. That was Vito, who, who who runs that label. So, you know, shout out to him. And he pushed me. Um, I was in kind of like a dark period, too, because in the sense, creatively, where I really didn't. I, I felt the well had run out a bit for pop punk in my brain, which is, I'm sure, is normal after, you know, 10 years of churn, trying to churn them out, you know. Right. And I really wanted to just do this. And they did it. And it's like starting a whole new band by yourself. It's like, I'm back to the days where I'm burning the CDs and hanging outside shows, giving them to people for free, but it's like liberating. And I'm the only member of the band. And uh, if people haven't heard it, it's like, I don't know if you like old, like hello, goodbye, like electronic hello, goodbye, or even, you know, old dance music. It's, it's all synthesizer based and I use drum machines for everything. And I put a lot of weird effects on my voice, but like you said, it's, it's, it's Zach like it. <laughs> the lyrics are all emo and I sing like oh, my wine and <laughs> I do my thing. So, you know, if that's it, I try to make it really catchy and it's sometimes it's really, it's like over the top cheesy, but that's kind of my, my wheelhouse. I'm proud of it. This is 100% you. This is you creating all the, all the music you're doing, all the lyrics you're doing, everything for it. Yep. One thing that stood out to me, like I told you, I've, I've just recently started listening to it. I've obviously been a Man Overboard fan forever. 
And then I took a little break from social media for a while and didn't have any accounts and then came back and I seen, you know, you have it, you have it, you're following on your page, you have it in your bio and stuff. I've never, I've never been huge in electronic music over the past couple of years. I've, there's been a few acts that I've started to like, but I've noticed one thing. I like electronic slash dance music with lyrics more than I do just instrumental. It gives yeah. another layer to it, but with, with your vocals, and I, I'm, I'm assuming this was intentional. It almost seems like the way that you produce these, you layered your vocals in as if they're another instrument. It's not, at least to, when I was listening to it, it didn't sound dance beat in the background, someone just singing with the top, you know, the highest gain on the mic and yeah. focus on the voice. It seems, you know, some of them are a little dreamy, wavy in the background. It seems like you layered those in there as another instrumental element. Yeah, because I didn't want to, and like I said, I can't speak for the Echo DDT stuff that I'm working on right now because it probably won't be the same. But on that album, yeah, I wanted it in the mix. I wanted it because otherwise it's like if you have the vocals out and pronounced and on top of everything and crisp, it's like you're trying to present to people some pop song sensation. Right. I didn't want it's not like I, I wanted to say, like this is a weird song this is like a vibe this is a it could be a band it might be one guy but it could be you know what i mean yeah so yeah i, I wanted them a little in the in the mix literally but you know yeah literally <laughs> literally packed into the mix it uh it sounds good and i think that's the perfect way to describe it like you said it's a vibe mm-hmm. because it, again it's not it stand, when you listen to it, it stands out. It's good. You, you recognize right away it stands out. So I don't want these next statements to seem like they're demeaning, but it's, it's not the music that stands out over top of the vocals. It's not the vocals that stand out over top of the music. It's together. It's, it's a vibe. It's this package sound that you yeah. get. Yeah. I, I try to just – to me – that record, Ultra Sound Skate Plex, is just like my packaged nostalgia is in for like certain MIDI tones or synth sounds and stuff combined with, I mean, lyrically and emotionally and what those songs are about. It was just like I was writing a Man Overboard record on, on Ultra Zone Skate Plex. I'm just singing about, to make it really simple, I'm just singing about what was happening in my life, just like I currently, just like I would be singing about what was happening in my life, you know, semi-currently on a Man Overboard record. So it was in that regard, not a throwback or anything at all, but like you can see with the artwork and yeah, I tried to use like 80s sounds and stuff and I didn't want it to sound too good, as dumb as that sound. I didn't want it to sound too, like there's a release of the record on cassette tape and it's my favorite way to listen to it i think it's like perfect you know what i mean that's how i wanted it speaking to the the release of the cassette what is the best way for people to support the echo ddt project honestly what i would appreciate the most personally is just hit me up or go on spotify or apple music and follow whatever follow the artist it costs you nothing it helps me a lot listen to it on there add me on a playlist or something um you know that's the best. That means so much more to me than like, you know, maybe one day there'll be a $25 t-shirt or something you can buy, which is cool. But like, 
at the stage I'm at with this project, it's like when it's just like we're, it's funny, our conversation is kind of coming full circle. It's like, I'm at the stage of Echo DDT where, like I said, it's like with Man Overboard in the beginning. I just wanted to hand those CDs out. We didn't care about making a book. Right. Just go on Spotify, give me another monthly listener. You know what I mean? Perfect. Get my stats up, show someone. Just like it. Just listen to it. It's the best way you can support it. Apple Music or Spotify or give me a YouTube play. You know what I mean? It's all out there. There we go. No, follow me. You can follow me. Yeah. The Echo DDT, like behind you, that is, um, that's Twitter and that's also Instagram. I, I recently caved in and made separate accounts for Echo DDT separate than myself. So there's a Twitter and an Instagram. And for anyone that's just listening, so I have a board on the video version behind that shows the guest name, their Instagram handles and everything. But I'll also, in the description of the YouTube video and on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, I'll put everything, I'll put links to everything in the description. Awesome. You heard Zach go on there, follow him, give him the download, give him the play, send it to someone, hit him up on Twitter, Instagram. I literally don't want a dollar from you. I don't want a cent. I'm good. Keep it. You need it. We all need it. It's cool. I get it. Just hit me with, show me some internet love. Show him some free internet love. For yeah, those of us that do like to buy vinyl, CD, cassette, just for the, the physical factor, are there still yeah, that's available? Yeah, so there's the label that I put out. The cassettes are awesome. They're really good friends of mine. They're from Philadelphia. And they're called Virtua. 94 v-i-r-t-u-a so if you google virtua 94's shop there's um there's echo ddt let me see if i can grab one i think i have one right here yep and also for everybody listening and watching i'll link i'll put a direct link yeah these are the physicals you probably can't really see that well but the artwork's cool the tape is sweet. We got like that design on one side and then it's like a little gradient on the other on a black tape. It comes with an Echo DDT holographic trading card, like in the sleeve. I'm a big sports card collector, so that's sick. <laughs> yeah, so you get the Echo DDT. It's a holographic, so you, you know, that means it's a good one. I grew up on Pokemon too. If you had the hollow, it doesn't matter what it is. You got the hollow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you get this little card. And it has like a, like it's the cover. It's, and there's a message from me on the inside and the track listing and, you know, all that. And those are available on Virtua 94. And it kind of fits the motif of like Echo DDT for it to be on cassette, you know. That's Sick. Kind of the vibe I was going for. But yeah, man, I don't appreciate this holographic card enough as much as I should. It's the album art. It doesn't matter what a card is. Hollow always makes it better. It's the it's Echo DD it's Ultrasound Skateplex cover hollow. <laughs> so yeah, everybody go do the the free follow, the free listen. And for any of those that want a physical piece of the music, check the description. Go pick one up if you get a chance. And that that'll lead us what I like to wrap up every podcast with. I've said it before. I got a buddy, anytime I send him music, I try to put together a little chronological playlist okay. of songs that at least Sometimes I'll put singles on there. Sometimes I put just things I think he should hear. So let's start with Echo DDT. I know UltraZone Skateplex is the, the first full project. If you want to name one or two singles that you've put out that are out there. Yeah, I mean, there's almost like a love your friends die laughing at this point. There's a predominantly most popular Echo DDT song. Um, it's called uh, 
give us at least one one that's not on there, and then let's give us what I think there's is there nine to twelve tracks on that one. This one has ten. Yep. Yeah, so give us one single that's not on there and then give us three songs from that project that people should listen to for Echo DDT. Um, an Echo DDT single that's good that's not on here is um, pulling on my own Spotify real quick to take a look just because I, I don't want to – I know I got a few, so I don't, I'll probably listen to this later and be like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, I got two. Oh, no, no, no. The Echo DDT single, eh, it's so hard. Which one? Okay, I got two. You can give us two if you want. I got two singles. One's called Overnight. It's like a cool, it's like a poppy dance song. That's a single on my Spotify and Apple Music. And then I have one called, that's like I scream and has really heavy, all the vocal, almost all the vocals are screaming. And um, the riff, the guitar, and it has live guitar playing through my amp and I down tune like I play like hardcore riffs over my drum machine and that song's called no one's gonna jump out of your phone and save you and um that's a single as well on Spotify and Apple Music and then I guess from the record a million reasons to cry is a song that's really popular I mean you know for Echo DDT standards really popular and um I would say by Echo DDT, listen to A Million Reasons to Cry, Life Will Always Suck. Um, the song's called, the song is called Leather Fucking Pants. So that's the name of the song. So, that one. Check those out for Echo DDT. Make yourself a playlist. Send it to a buddy. Listen to everything as well, but those are the artist pick for that. And then we'll jump back over to Man O. If you want to just do the full-length releases, we can. If you want to start with maybe Hung Up on Nothing, what I try to do is two to three songs from every project, obviously depending on the length of the project, but two to three songs that you think people should listen to. From Man Overboard? Yeah, so it, like I said, if you want to start with Hung Up on Nothing, we can. Or if you want to start just with Real Talk, whatever, your choice. You want like a song from each record? Yeah, so like if you want to do, obviously – Hung up on nothing is not full length, but if you want to do you know one song off of there and then two to three off of Real Talk, the self-titled Heart Attack and Heavy Love. Hung up on nothing, I would I'll just say I would listen to Dreaming. That's my favorite. Okay. And there's only five songs on it, so Dreaming. And then um, Real Talk, Fantasy Girl, Al Sharpton. An FM dial style. Okay. Um, what's after that? Heart attack? Uh, no, self-titled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Self-titled. Rare. Picture perfect. And Atlas. Okay, and then... A heart attack. You had Before We Met, but that was like the collection of old songs. Oh, yeah, Before We Met. Okay, I can do that one. Okay. Um, in Orbit. Uh, maybe I can't do that one. That's the only one, but definitely In Orbit. In Orbit. That's <laughs> <one. laughs> in Orbit, for sure. That's song rules. Me and Nick have always been like, man, no one likes that song in the rules. Um, oh, The Usual Results. That's on that. And that song rules. I like okay. that song. That's on Before We Met, I'm pretty sure. Um, 
Okay, so heart attack. My favorite man overboard is probably song is probably sad, which is on heart attack. That's probably my favorite man overboard song. Um, I think where I left you is on that record, so yep. you got to say that. And then, um, hmm, wide awake. Okay, that's on there, right? Yeah. Yep. And then, um, heavy love, man. Splinter, Borderline, and something less. Or no, and then honorable mention, the song Deal. Okay. Deal was a weird Man Overboard song. And sounds to me, in my brain, it was the only other one that was like, um, love your friends die laughing. But I guess my brain's weird. Well, perfect. Go through, like I said, check those down, put those on a playlist and listen to those. Obviously people get sick of me hearing, hearing me say this and hearing me say, listen to albums front to back. But I always like to give again, for people that aren't already fans of, or may have just heard one or two songs. I always like to do that artist pick of, Hey, here's the best representation. And I like to go back as far as the artist. Well, now that I'm on a podcast, as far as the artist is comfortable, I know some people don't like the earlier works, but I love hearing the progression of a band from their first EP or their first demo single that they put out all the way up to whatever their, you know, their most recent work is. I like the progression. Yeah, it's great. So do I, as a fan, you know, if people I'm a fan of, yeah, me too. So there you have it. That's the Echo DDT and Man Overboard recommended listening from Zach himself. Check it out. Follow him on everything. Everything will be in the description. If you get a chance, if you're on YouTube, like this video, give it a thumbs up, subscribe. It helps this channel as well. Help me get to more artists, talk to more people, put more content out. We'll get, dude, um, I think you're going to get a lot of people. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. And that's going to wrap it up for the regular video. And as always, we're going to do a bonus video with Zach where he's going to give you some uncommon knowledge about either Man Overboard, Echo DDT. Could be a song, could be a tour, could be an album funny story so that'll be linked in the description thanks for watching here if you're on the audio only make sure you come over to youtube and check out the bonus video and once again zach thanks for being on i appreciate it thank you for having me i really really do appreciate it all right thank you everybody check out the bonus video